you have your Bibles with you tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, turn with me, if you would, the book of John. It's going to be called, I Am the Door. Yes, the children can be dismissed to Sunday school right now at this time. Mm, let's keep the youth in here tonight. Yeah. Amen. John chapter 10. Amen. All right. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 1. Now, I want to say to you tonight, I use a lot of different things for, and, and, and I go through and I see a lot of commentaries and things like that, most of which are garbage. Uh, and here tonight is, this is a message that somebody wrote, and I'm going to completely redo the message tonight. But I want to show you what this world teaches as doctrine and the contrast to, to the truth, the contrast of that to the truth. Amen. So I want you to see the difference tonight. Amen. So let's just start in John chapter 10, verse 1. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. 
This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were, they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Father, for the next few moments here tonight, I ask you to just use me as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost. God, I ask you, Lord, to just give us the spiritual ears to hear your voice in this word tonight. Give us the spiritual eyes to see the path as you lay it out before us. And give us the godly wisdom, Lord, to walk in that path. And we thank you and praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The title of the message tonight is I Am the Door. Here they said that Jesus taught great spiritual truths simply. And true enough, he did. But unfortunately, most people don't understand even this simple stuff here. He said, in one place, I am the bread of life. Another place, he said, I am the light of the world. And here, they refer to how clearly he explained the deep things of, the deep things of God, which truly... Truly, he does explain the deep things of God, and very clearly. But still, they don't get it. He said, a simple salvation message for sinners. True enough, but it's not nearly as simple as they make it out to be. All they used in this entire thing was Christ, 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 Christ. Never the name of Jesus. Christ is not a name, folks. Christ is a description. They put on here, Christ is the door. No, Jesus is is the door. His name was not Christ. He was Jesus, the Christ. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. True enough, what he did at Calvary is the way in. But it's through that name. It's through the name of Jesus. Not, the, not the, the word Christ. Not the title Christ. It's through the name of Jesus. That's the key to that door. It's the name of Jesus. Now. They put here Christ is the door. 
to forgiveness. Jesus is the door to the sheepfold. The Lord said, let's just take a look at the Bible. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he, who, who's he? Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, but forgiveness will not get you to heaven. Forgiveness will not get you to heaven. Remission of sins is what will get you to heaven. Because you can be forgiven your sins and still have spots on your garment. Without the blood of Jesus, listen, the blood of Jesus was not for forgiveness of sins. You need to understand something. Forgiveness comes from Jesus because he's the one we sinned against. But remission of sins, washing away of those sins, comes with the pure blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sins away. It removes, it's the greatest spot remover there ever has or ever will be, is the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of the sacrificial lamb, amen, without spot or without blemish. The Bible says without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. The Bible says repent and be baptized, Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized every one of you. Not some of you. Not most of you. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Why the name of Jesus Christ? Because that's how you access the blood. By calling on the name of the Lord. The place, another place in the book of Acts says, Why tarriest thou? Arise. Wash away thy sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. You go down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You're buried with him. You rise in newness of life. You call on the name of Jesus in the waters of baptism. That blood flows into your life. Amen. You marry him. It's applied to your life. It is the, it is the cutting of the covenant right there. It is the consummation of the new covenant. And it is for the remission of sins. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. So, You can't take away the name of Jesus, folks. It's the most important thing in the entire Bible. Never substitute anything for the name of Jesus. Never substitute Christ for Jesus. Never substitute anything for the name of Jesus. The Bible says he was given a name above every name. There's a reason for that. 
There's a reason why it says so many times in the Word of God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name, in the name, calling on the name, amen. Those who are called by his name, praise God. You better not show up at that devil. You better not come against that devil in your name. You better not come in that devil in the name of Christ. You better not come in that devil against that devil in the name of Yahweh. You better come at that devil in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says he was given a name above every name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. Of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things beneath the earth. Everything, every principality and power, everything is humbled at that name. Now here, they shift gears and they go into this trust thing. The whole next several things, let me just give them to you and then we'll back up and take a look. Christ is the door to forgiveness. That's what they put on here. Those who trust him exit condemnation. Christ is the door to life. Those who trust him exit spiritual death. See, don't write that down because that's not the truth. It's a bunch of nonsense. Those who trust him enter a new life. Christ is the door to heaven. Those who trust him exit the road to hell. Those who trust him enter eternal life. So let's back up and take a look. Square one. Those who trust him. So what does trust him mean? Brother Edward, give me Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, please. Let me tell you what they mean by trust him. In their theory, in the consensus of doctors and theology, which are blinder than a bat, Their consensus is Jesus did it all and don't you dare do nothing. Because if you do, you're trying to do it by works and not by faith. Their idea of being saved by grace through faith is being saved by his grace and the faith is you trusting in his grace. That's what they say. That's what they believe faith is. They're out of their ever-loving mind. They're ridiculously stupid. And I'm talking to every one of you that preach that garbage. You ain't got the first clue of what you're reading. You need to just quit and go find you a job selling garbage cans somewhere. They don't have a clue. But, buddy, that's a popular message. You know what's so popular about it? 
because you ain't got to do nothing. You ain't got to go to church. You ain't got to do nothing. You ain't got to pray. You ain't got to fast. Man, you ain't got to do nothing. I mean, those things are there if you want to, but you don't have to because Jesus did it all. Whatever you do, don't you dare do nothing. Don't you dare do nothing because if you do, then you're trying to be saved by works and not by faith. Being saved by grace through faith is you just being saved by his grace and just trusting in his grace to save you. That's what they, I'm going to break that all to pieces tonight. I'm going to leave that in the dust where it belongs. Let me tell you something about this Bible right here. You ain't going to get it sitting at home in front of a TV. You ain't going to get it sitting on a lake with a fishing pole in your hand. You ain't going to get it sitting in a deer stand. You ain't going to get it sitting in the, fan, in, in the uh, seats at a race, at a stock car race. You're not going to get it at a football game. Let me tell you what the Bible says about it. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 2.15 says what? Yeah. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. How you going to learn it? Study. This has got to be rightly divided. You got to rightly divide the word of God. It's all here. But let me tell you, buddy, the consensus of this land could not be further from the truth if they tried. And the devil has so cleverly weaved it in, weaved that tangled web. And, buddy, once you get in it, once somebody bites off into that nonsense, you can't hardly blow that out with dynamite. Number one is because they love it. It means nothing for them to do. Jesus did it all. They don't want to turn loose of it. It's hard to take something away from somebody don't want to turn loose of it. Now, so, what does it say right there? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, come on. Okay, so what do you say? You know, they're talking about trusting in the Lord. What they mean by trusting the Lord is just trust that he did it all. You got to trust him. You got to trust that what he did was sufficient, and that's it. His grace is sufficient. They'll come with that thing all the time. His grace is sufficient. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. You don't, no, 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 not by works. Not by works. That's it. He makes you boast now. You got to trust him. You just got to trust him. Jesus did it all. Well, where's your faith at? Where's your faith at? Don't you trust him? Well, dear God, where's your faith at, man? Come on, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. This is, this is uh, 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 Solomon speaking. Come on. Okay, you know what? You do need to trust Jesus with all your heart. You don't need to lean under your own understanding because when we try to figure out how life works, when we try to figure out how we're going to make ends meet, how we're going to make A plus A equal B, or how we're going to make 1 plus 1 equal 4, amen, gee, we can't calculate that. How in the world we're going to make putting our job on the back burner the best thing we ever did? How in the world are we ever going to make cutting out a job or leaving a job because it's going against the, the kingdom of God? 
How in the world can you make a positive out of that negative? Because that's trying to lean under our own understanding. How in the world can you, can you walk away from something like that and, and, and have it come out to be a positive thing? See, that's, why you, that's where it's talking about trusting the Lord with all thine heart, okay? Lean not into thine own understanding. Come on, in all thy ways, come on. Yep. He shall direct our path. Amen. See that? There's what it's talking about. That's what the Bible's talking about when it's trusting in the Lord with all thine heart. Don't lean on to your understanding. When the Lord said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added unto you, that's when it's talking about trusting the Lord. That's where you trust in the Lord. You trust that God is not lying to you, and that God said when he said it, but he meant it. When he said, amen, that when he said that uh, you could trust in him and praise God, he would direct your steps, he would direct your path, you trust that he's going to do just that. Amen. Okay, so here it says, those who trust in him enter justification. See, this is that free way in. This is that free way in where everybody just says, trust in Jesus. He did it all. They give Romans 5 and 1, which says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justifies by faith. Okay, so what, what faith? Justified by faith. Okay, let me tell you what they're talking about right there. What they are talking about right there, being justified by faith, what they're talking about is just believing that what Jesus did, amen, covered us all. So let's just take a look, shall we? Okay, let's do. So they go to Romans 5. And 1. Can everybody see that? Romans 5, 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't expound on that. They just throw that out there. And wh why they don't expound on it? Because they don't understand it yourself. They're the blind leading the blind. They throw that out there for, because, you know what, they all have this same mentality, and they teach that Jesus did it all. There's nothing for you to do. It means nothing, bless you, and it means nothing. Jesus did it all. And so when they say faith, it ain't got nothing to do with anything but just trust. That's what their faith means. So really what they're saying is, therefore, being justified by our trust we have in Jesus... 
we have peace. That's what their consensus of this means. Well, my goodness, let's just take a look at what it means by faith. The system of religious truth, the gospel truth, belief, belief, faith, fidelity. This is talking about moral conviction of religious truth, truthfulness of God, or religious teacher. This is talking about what? What's it talking about? The doctrine. It's talking about the doctrine, praise God. The doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. He himself being the chief cornerstone, praise God. The foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The word of God is what it's talking about. So let me, let me rightly divide this for you. Therefore, being justified by our doctrine, by the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the faith we believe and follow, we have peace. There's that peace, amen, that it's talking about. The peace comes from that doctrine. From, you know what? I've heard it this week. I've heard it this week from several people. Recently. And it was really kind of an allegory. It was really kind of an opposite thing. <laughs> Let me just tell you how I heard it. Dear God. Man, what you preach is hard. But there's a peace in it. <laughs> now, now, chew on that a minute. Chew on that a minute. What you preach is hard, but there's a peace in it. Yeah, there's a peace in it. Yeah, there's peace in it because it's the rock. It's the rock of salvation, praise God. It is the faith that we believe and follow. It's the doctrine, praise God. And the Lord said, hey, he didn't come give me a pile of peace to go spread around. Amen. Peace don't come from a smooth word. Peace comes from safety. Peace comes from knowing where you stand with God. Hallelujah. Peace comes from knowing that you're not serving a little candy-coated pushover named Jesus. Or no, not named Jesus. That's too hard. Named Christ. 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 Christ just kind of rolls off the tongue. Just kind of just rolls. Makes you just want to dance, doesn't it? Christ. Makes you want to tiptoe through the tulips, don't it? Makes my wife just want to. I don't need them right now. I'm seeing real clear. Church, we're going to be looking more at that word faith right there. The Bible says, let's just take a look. I want you to go over here because you know what? We may just dive in here and never come out. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Leave it on. Uh-uh. Leave that off because we're going to have some whole. We're going to go through lots of Bible tonight. Praise God. Everybody can see me up here. If they can't, they can hear me. That's all they need. Amen. Okay, come on. 
Everybody turn. Come on, brother Edward, turn with me. Ephesians chapter 2. Man, if there was a scripture that all Trinitarians and all these doctors of theology and these rich, fat, cat, lying, no-count, losing jokers want to preach, it's this scripture right here, buddy. This is the money scripture. This is the money maker right here, baby. This is the money maker. Come on, brother, read it for me. Verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Listen carefully. Paul would be clubbing people in the head with a stick. Boy, if he was here listening to what these fat cats are preaching out there, these lying thieves. Come on. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Come on. It is the gift of God. Come on. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Come on. Unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That through nine, isn't it? Okay, thank you, brother. Okay, well, through nine is what we needed. But anyway, okay, so here it is. So by grace are you saved through faith. Where's the grace come from? Where did the grace happen at? What? Calvary's where the grace took place at. He went to the cross and he died on Calvary. There was his grace right there. You know, even when Paul had the thorn in his flesh... People misinterpret and they misunderstand what Paul meant when he said that the Lord spoke to him and said, My grace is sufficient. They misunderstood that. Some people see it as a license to sin. That Paul all got all happy fied in because, oh, well, my goodness, it don't matter what happens. Uh, Jesus is going to forgive me. It's okay. And my goodness, because his grace is just continually, uh, continually just uh, for sufficient. No. The Bible says that that was a messenger of Satan. So it was the devil speaking into his ear. And no doubt that it was the devil doesn't tell us clearly, but it does through Scripture if you look at it close enough. No doubt the enemy was right there reminding Paul, well, ha, ha, see, you're going to be Mr. Holy Man now. Yeah, but you was the one standing there holding the clothes of people while they were stoning Stephen to death. Why you stay stoning him and you held the clothes. You took all kind of people to their death and to prison. But you're going to be preaching the gospel. Now see you all turned around now. You missed a holy man now. I see how it's going to be. Oh, yeah, but how are you going to do that? You know what you did. You know what you did. Y'all know that same devil because he whispers in your ear all the time. You know what you did. I said, I saw you. You know what you did. Here it is right here. You want the instant replay? Let me show you what you did. Let me tell you what you did. Let me show you what you did. And Paul said, he asked the Lord thrice to remove it because it was a thorn in his flesh, a messenger 
from Satan, a messenger of Satan. So it wasn't something Satan was doing. It was something he was saying. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. He was talking about what he did at Calvary. He was telling Paul, "What I've already, I've already forgiven you for that. Get over that. That's behind you now. I've already forgiven you for that. My grace at the cross was sufficient to cover all that. And it covered every bit of it. And that's as far as the east is from the west. Because you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You wear my name. You are mine. You are the bride of Christ. You are the church. You are working for me. Those things are gone. Because my grace is sufficient. That's what that means. It's not a license to sin, folks. Grace happened at Calvary. And his grace was and is sufficient. But it's up to you to apply it. You've got to apply it. That means when you sin, you need to find you an altar and get back a hold of that grace. Amen. You need to take a trip down memory lane. When it's time for communion, you need to be in the house of God and you need to take a trip down memory lane and remember what he did for you at Calvary and remember the grace that he gave and the blood that he shed. Remember those things and repent. That's what taps you into that grace. So he said, you are saved by grace through faith. So how... How is it that we're saved by grace through faith? My goodness, let's check it out and see. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Same thing. Credence. Moral conviction of religious truth. Truthfulness of God or a religious teacher. Relying upon Christ for salvation, abstractly constancy in such profession, by extension, the system of religious gospel truth itself. It's the doctrine, folks. It is the doctrine. We are saved by grace through the doctrine, by following the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. The doctrine tells you how to apply that blood. The doctrine tells you what you must do. What does it tell us? Remember when he said, repent and be baptized. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Through the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, your children, all that are far off, and even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Okay, so now, the Bible says those, I mean, these, these guys here say those who trust in him exit spiritual death. They just think it's automatic stuff. Those who trust him enter a new life. Well, let me tell you what. Let's get a couple scriptures. Brother Jay, 2 Timothy 2, 25, 26. 
Sister Erica, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Those who trust him enter a new life. Huh. Sister Yunt, give me 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Okay, come on, 2 Timothy 2, 25, 26. Come on, what you got? Okay, now listen carefully. Now, does that sound like those who trust Jesus enter a new life? Those who trust him exit the road to hell? <laughs> what is it? See, they're not talking about you doing it yourself. What they're talking about is when you say you trust Jesus, it, it, it takes you, you're automatically, magically taken off the road to hell, and you're magically put on the road to heaven. You're saved. You're magically saved right there. That's what they're talking about. When they say those who trust him, they're saying those who trust what he did at Calvary to save them, they magically exit the road to hell right there because they say, I trust you, Lord. I trust what you did at Calvary is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient, and my faith is strong enough to believe it. I believe it, therefore it is. <clears throat> they say, well... What they're preaching and what exactly what they're preaching is, is exactly what I'm saying. They're preaching that if you just say you trust what Jesus did to save you, that that's it. You're saved, you're off the road to hell, you're now on the road to heaven. And as a matter of fact, they go on to say in here in the next couple of things, they go on to say that you're already saved. That you already have eternal life. From the moment you say you trust in him, you trust what he did at Calvary, you trust what he did to save you, it, you're saved, you're, you have eternal life. Not only are you looking at eternal life, you have eternal life. Okay, so let's listen to what he says right here. This is the real word of God right here. Come on. <laughs> Back up. Begin it again. No, 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 back up at the beginning right there. Listen carefully. In meekness, instructing those, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Okay, come on. See, a lot of times people oppose themselves. They don't even know they oppose themselves. They're, they're killing themselves. They don't even know they're killing themselves. They oppose themselves. See, the things they're doing are contrary to the will of God. Therefore, they're opposing themselves. They don't even realize it. They're killing themselves. They don't even realize it. Okay? So, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, instructing and teaching them, okay, come on. If God may possibly, or peradventure, would give them repentance, come on. Okay, so what does it mean by giving them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth? It means that, listen, that he might allow them to turn and show them the word and that he might allow them to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I see the truth and I believe it. Repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Lord, I see that you're right. I see that you're clearly right. And, I, I, Lord, I'm sorry. I see your word is right and I'm going to live according to your word now, God. Come on. Uh -huh. See, 
Hold the wagon right here. This must, it's blasphemy right here in the modern-day world we live in. What are you trying to say, man? Recover themselves. Oh, dear God, no, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. You can't say that. You can't say that, man. You just, gum. Daddy Warbucks just got up and left. You see, you run him off now. I hope you got a million dollars because that's how much he gives a year. Man, you just run my man off right there, man. Dude, I was going to buy me a yacht this year, man. You're blowing me up here, man. Well, I'm going on a nine-month fishing trip. Following my nine-month hunting trip, I was going to let 18 of my other pastors uh, preach, you know, while I was over spending all that money. That they may recover themselves. Oh, my goodness, now, wait a minute. Jesus did it all. You can't recover yourself. He says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the enemy who are taken captive by him at his will. Let me tell you what a pushover most people are to that devil. You're a walk in the park, man. Just He just strolls over, <laughs> hooks you by the jaw. Come on, me. How is it he pulled you around so many years like you was his wife? Because you was. Yeah. He just come along, hook you in the jaw, and off you'd go. Wherever it was, he led you. He said that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the enemy who are taken captive by him at his will. The devil comes and takes them captive anytime he wants to. Amen. But that they... Might, might see the truth, might acknowledge that it's the truth, might acknowledge to Jesus that it's right and ask for his forgiveness and that they may say, Lord, I am going to pull myself out of this mess. God is not going to drag you into church kicking and screaming. He's not going to beg you to come and serve him. Jesus ain't going to beg you to live life eternal. He's not going to beg you to come and take his gift. He wasn't hung on a tree for you. I mean, ain't that enough? Now you want him to beg you to come and partake of it? You want him to put sugar on everything for you? Make it all just like you want it? He ain't a microwave God. Jesus ain't a, he ain't one of them have it your way gods. They ain't nothing about him have it your way God. Was that the end of it, brother? <laughs> you are saved by his grace, but it's through the doctrine. He gave you the formula how to get to it. These are the keys to the kingdom, church. That's why he said, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Because rightly dividing the word of truth will get you the keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom are the revelations in the word of God. Not the book of revelations, the revelations of all the, all the things in the kingdom of God. One of those revelations, one of those keys is Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That is how we, that's, that's how we get 
Give, and it shall be given, the Bible says. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. That's how we get. That's the key to getting. What's the key to getting? Giving. What's the key to forgiveness? Forgiving. Forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father in heaven might forgive you your trespasses. For if you forgive not your brother their trespasses, then neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So the key, the revelation, the understanding, and the key to forgiveness for you is to forgive somebody else. It's the law of the harvest, sowing and reaping. You cannot reap before you sow. How are you going to get forgiveness if you hadn't sown any? Let me tell you something, folks. You need forgiveness. And let me tell you something, folks. You got a whole lot of forgiving to do. Every day of your life, you come across some things you're going to have to forgive and people you're going to have to forgive. And if not, God can work you up some right quick. Come on, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Listen carefully to this. Here's some more of that Jesus did it all stuff. Come on. Therefore, seeing we got so many people watching us, we're therefore seeing we are encamped with so great a cloud of witnesses. Come on. Wait, wait. Okay, that ain't no good. That ain't no good because there's some more of that stuff where we got to do something. We can't have that. Jesus did it all now. Come on. We can't be having that. We got to do something stuff. You're taking all my money stuff out today. You just took the money scripture out. Let who lay aside every weight? Oh, man. There's another one of them scriptures we can't preach. Because if that means we have to do something, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Not just sins, but even the things that are a weight. There's things you've got to lay aside that ain't even a sin. They're a weight to you. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. There are things that may not be sin to you, but they may be a burden or a hindrance unto you. They may not even be a burden or hindrance unto you. They may be a burden or hindrance to somebody else. Brother Bain one time had a fellow come and said, he was wearing a short sleeve shirt, and this guy came and said, you know, that's a sin to wear a short sleeve shirt. Kind of simple, isn't it, for a preacher to be wearing a short sleeve shirt. He said, well, I, I hadn't seen that in the Bible, but he said, man, I sure wouldn't want to do something if I thought it was. He said, well, I didn't consider that a sin. I didn't figure it immodest, but he said, you know what? long as that man's in my church, I never wore another short sleeve shirt. It wasn't because he had to do it. He did it because he didn't want to be a hindrance to that man. He didn't want to throw a stumbling block in that man's way. Boy, I'm going to tell you, that's something right there. But that's Brother Bang for you. 
instead of trying to correct and trying to, you know, trying to uh, 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 negotiate it with that guy, he just, he just didn't do it as long as that man was in his church because he didn't want to hinder him, didn't want to throw a stumbling block in front of him. <laughs> Folks, he said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience this race that is set before us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. It's on you. It's on me. It ain't on Jesus. He did his part. His part's over with. It's on us now. And there's nothing more that that devil loves than to just sit back and go, <laughs> Oh, they love us. Oh, they're a bunch of lazy, no-count heathens. They love us. I just convinced them Jesus did it all. Man, if I can't convince them he didn't come do something, I just convinced them he did it all. Where's your faith at? Near God. Well, you a bunch of crazy nuts. Don't bother me. Don't bother me, man. I don't believe you have to do all that. Why, you don't have to do all that. Dear God, you ain't got to do all that. Come on, sister. Where's your faith at? My gosh. Well, you don't got to do all that. Dear God. Man, he's got an arsenal to use, don't he? And you know what makes it so effective? It's that we're so evil. We're so wicked. We're so lazy. We're so spoilt. We are a bunch of spoiled brats. There ain't never been a people spoiled, more spoiled than what we are. Dear God, if we got to wait more than 20 minutes for a pizza, we expect them to buy it. Yeah, man. What, 20 minutes, 30 seconds, man? You owe me a free pizza. Well, yes, sir, we do. I, I could have been on time, but I'd have run over and killed your dog But because your dog was out in the street, or maybe the neighbor's dog down the road, or maybe there was a car broke down. I didn't anticipate that being in the way, so, yes, I am late, and, yeah, I know that's our policy. Where's your compassion at? Yeah, man, oh, 20 minutes, 30 seconds. Give my free pizza. You owe me. 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 That's the biggest problem with America. Jesus don't owe you nothing, buddy. Jesus don't owe you nothing. He never owed you nothing. He never will owe you nothing. You ought to be begging Jesus to love him and to serve him and to, and to live for him. You ought to be begging him. But instead, you just walking around calling God Almighty out on the carpet about his word. Well, yeah, I think I'll come live for you now, God. I mean, I am getting old. I did find out I got cancer now. I'm going to live for you long as I don't have to come every week now. That's the kind of mentality we got in this land. It's not, what can I do for you, God? What else can I do for you? It's, 
I don't believe you have to do all that. Do I have to do all that? What do y'all preach? What do y'all preach? Oh, dear God, you got to go to church every week? <sighs> more than, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> I just had a heart flutter. <laughs> more, more, more than once a week? Oh, my God, what are you, crazy? You're in one of them cults, ain't you? Are you Pentecostal? Yes, we are. I knew it. I knew it. Nope, can't go. Can't go. I'm Baptist. <laughs> you know the thing, you know the sad thing about it is? There's people listening to me right now on this tape, and I'm pointing right at you. You're sitting there looking at me right on this tape. You're going to be in hell one day because you're sitting there trying to think of how in the world you can prove me wrong. You're trying to put together scriptures of how you can justify the life you're living right now, how you can justify sitting on your behind at the house, playing on Facebook instead of being in the house of God right now. And I'm, I'm telling you just as sure as you're looking at me right now, you're going to be in hell one day except you repent and get where you need to be with God. I have no, I have no ulterior motive. Do you, do you people that are in this building, do you think I'm after your money? Do I come across like that? Seemed to me like this morning somebody had to remind me once again to take up the offering today. Now, let me ask you this. Do any of you, by any stretch of your imagination, think I'm just loaded with money? And that I just don't need your money? No. But let me tell you something, folks. I've never been in this for the money, and I never will be in it for the money. God takes care of me however way he wants to do it. If it's by this church supporting me, then that's fine, well, and good. If it's by me climbing trees for a living, I don't know. If it's... It don't matter to me how God takes care of him. He's going to do it. But I'm not in this for the money. And I sure ain't trying to round up enough money for a second Learjet. Yeah, because, you know, there's lots of people that say, I ain't got one Learjet. I ain't even got a picture of a Learjet. I can't even afford a Learjet magazine. I'm scared to read one if I'm on a plane and there's a Learjet magazine. I don't even want to read it. Well, are you kidding me? They take me to jail, think I stole it. Where'd you get that Learjet magazine, son? You know you stole that. I guess they'd have to call me Creflo Penny. But you know what? I saw just the other day where he's buying him a $600 million plane. That is just unbelievable. 
that is just, that is, that's, that's depths of hell right there. You got to, buddy, you got to press in to get that deep in hell with stuff. Like Jesus came down here to make everybody rich. You can have your best life now. I don't want my best life now. I want my best life up yonder, praise God. And I want loss of it. Amen. And I ain't talking about money. I'm talking about liberty, man, freedom. I'm talking about true freedom, peace that surpasses all this world's understanding because the only thing that gives peace in this world right here to those kind of people is money. That's a peace that's going to pass away right there. But the peace we got, it ain't going to never pass away. It's going to get better. Okay, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Let's talk some more about those who trust him. Who's just all trusting Jesus. He did it all. Come on. Who's, who's got it? Come on. Wait, wait, wait. Now, are they riding in a wagon? Is that a limo taking them? I mean, now, wait, who's picking them up? Are they having to drive their self out of this mess? Or is this one of them where you call, you call Uber or you call somebody to come and pick them up and, and help them out of that problem? What did it say? Be ye separate. Sounds like it's something to do, folks. Sounds like it's something you got to do. Sounds like you have to separate yourself from them. Where's that nonsense that they put on the sign around the corner over here? Uh, Come as you are, let Jesus make the change. Where'd that come from? How does that apply? Let Jesus make the change. Does that sound like Jesus is making the change? Sound me like you're the one doing the change. He said, you come out from among them. You be separate. Separate yourself from them. And then what did he say? Touch not the unclean thing. Get your hands out of that unclean, filthy cesspool that you call a life. Quit touching that mess. It's unclean. Touch not those unclean things. Stay away from that stuff. Get away from them people. Get away from that stuff. Put that mess down. Get out of there. What are you doing over there? What are you doing hanging in a bar? What are you doing in a strip club? What are you doing hanging out with a bunch of, uh, of thugs? What are you doing listening to that garbage on the radio? What are you doing doing all that stuff you, you're doing? Come out from that mess and leave it alone. Don't you touch that mess. Stay away from that mess. And what? And I will receive you. Now, does that sound like, just repeat after me, Father, I just receive you, and I make you, I make you. I make you. I make you the Lord of my life. Why would you even say such a filthy, rotten lie? 
They ain't making him Lord of their life. First time he asked him to do something, they're going to throw him out the window and run him over with a car on the way out. He's the Lord of their life. They may, he may be the Lord of their life until he tells them to do something or to not do something even more than that. Well, kind of here I thought you's the real God. <laughs> I make you not the Lord of my life now. I take that back. I'm back as the Lord of my life now, and I say it's okay. Because I deserve a break today. Just ask anyone, they'll tell you. Ask me, I'll tell you. You ain't making him nothing. He is what he is. He said, I am that I am. You ain't making him nothing. Let me tell you something. You ain't changing God. It don't matter what you do. You can stand on your head. You can quack like a duck. You can do anything you want to. You're not going to change God. Every doctor of theology that's ever been or ever will be can get together and have a consensus of anything they want to, and it ain't going to change the Word of God. It ain't going to change God one, not one bit. Never has, never will. He is the God Almighty. There's none beside Him. He is all alone. This is his word. It ain't never changed and it never will. No one's ever changed it. No one ever will. You can try to write a book, put your name on it. It ain't never changed the word of God one iota and it never will. It ain't never changed. Neither has he. He said, I am the Lord. I am. Change not. This world has it so, so wrong. And when I say world, I mean 99.9% of every church on the planet, which is no more than just the world uh, and any more dressed less than they would be in the world. I mean, really, some of the churches you go to now, the worst-dressed people on the planet. Used to, they at least had the dignity to come to what was supposed to be the house of God and dress like they're dressing to see a king. But now, if you do that, well, you're out of your mind. God ain't looking at that. Who do you think's behind all that garbage? Who do you think's the one saying that mess? You ain't got to do all that. Why you ain't got to do all that? Does that sound like Jesus? Well, my goodness, just dress like a just dress like an alley cat. Dress like a dog. Come on, man. You know you're going to the whorehouse after church anyway. May as well dress accordingly. You know you're going right from here to the liquor store. You know you're going right from here to the barbecue. Make sure you get that keg. Make sure you stop and get the keg on the way. Make sure, but you know, you got to get your Holy Ghost Band-Aid on before you get over to hell. Come get your devil, uh, uh, come get your devil shot. Your immunity shot. Your get-out-of-hell free card from your lying, no-count, Learjet-buying preacher. 
before you go over and start rolling around with the devil this afternoon. Come and get your, you ain't got to do all that message this morning. Did you record it? You're going to need to listen to it later to make you not feel good. So you got to be feeling good about yourself so you can sleep tonight. God forbid any guilt should set in. Next thing you know, you might even have a change of life. Dear God, what would that be like? My God, next thing you know, you might start coming to church more than once a week or once a month. More than twice a year. Dear God, what are you turning to a cult leader, a cult follower? Or what are you doing, man? It's sad, isn't it? Saddest thing about it is it's true. I'm not here because I have to be. I'm here because there's no place this side of heaven I'd rather be. You could come and give me a million dollars, and I mean that. You could come and offer me a million dollars, and I hope some of you do. Because I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I would love the opportunity to show somebody. You offer me a hundred million dollars, a billion dollars. You could offer me a billion dollars to quit what I'm doing. You know, a man can live the rest of his natural life on a billion dollars. Yeah. And I tell you, I don't want your money. There ain't never been enough money on this planet printed to stop me from doing what I'm doing. It ain't going to happen. I don't want that money. You kidding me? Let me tell you something, man. Just one little section of my sidewalk up yonder costs more than that. What, what kind of price you put on peace? What kind of price you put on joy? This is that peace that people can't understand because it comes without money. That's what's, under, that's what's not understandable about this peace. That's why this is a peace that surpasseth all understanding because their understanding comes from money. Their understanding comes from this world. They can't understand how I can have peace and be broke all at the same time. I got Jesus. I don't look to me. I don't look to me. I don't look to somebody to take care of me. I've got Jesus, and he knows everything about me. I don't have to explain nothing to him. He knows every part of me. He knows parts I don't even know. He knows things about me I'll never know. He's one created me, and he knows the ending from the very beginning. He knows the, he knows the ending of this. He knows what I have need of before I even ask him. So I don't have to explain to him. He already knows it. That's the peace that surpasseth all understanding. He's a great and mighty God. Those of you listening by tape tonight, and those of you that are here tonight, I want you to understand, this is the truth. This has been so meticulously torn apart and turned upside down. The devil is a master manipulator. He has come to do nothing more than to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is a master of deception. 
He's the one that's come and started all this theory of Jesus did it all. Don't you dare do nothing. But the Word of God says, faith without works is dead being alone. He said, you show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. I do believe what I follow. I believe this doctrine so much that it's got me busy. I believe it so much. I believe that God is a consuming fire so much that I walk very carefully around him. You know the word of God. Paul said it to the Corinthians. He said, he hated to blow them up like he did, but he didn't apologize for it. He said, because you know what? He said, what carefulness it wrought in you. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you what fear of God will do. Let me tell you what knowing the real Jesus will do. The real Jesus that is that consuming fire. Let me tell you what knowing that, truly knowing that will do. It'll make you very careful how you walk. It'll make you very careful what you say. It'll make you very careful what you do. But let me tell you what the message of the land will do that tells you Jesus did it all, his grace is sufficient, and it's okay. Jesus did it all. You're already saved. All you got to do is just hang on. Hold out to the end. That's how, that's how it's put out. All you got to do is hold out to the end because you already saved. All you got to do is just hang on, do what you're doing. Amen. Boy, is there going to be some, is there going to be an awakening or what? Can you imagine, can you imagine how they're going to feel at that moment? Can you even imagine how they're going to feel at that moment when they think they're in? They think they got a ticket. And they never were in. They never even got in. They never were even a part of the church. Though they considered themselves to be members of a church for a hundred years. Third generation. And none of the generations before them were part of the church. But they had no idea. Daddy was a preacher. Uncle was a preacher. Mama was a preacher, which is an atrocity. It's against the Bible. Well, oh, well, my goodness, uh, I'm a 12th generation. Are you bragging or are you apologizing? That's the way I look at it. Are, are you repenting? There's altar. Knowing that they're saying it to brag. Had a guy tell me one time. He's about third generation Pentecostal. Well, I'm so glad that the Lord sent you, Brother Hoffman, to them people. Talking about people at the recovery. I'm so glad he sent you to them people. Because now I myself 
I never smoked a day in my life. I've never said a cuss word. I never did a drug or anything like that. I never drank in that old nasty alcohol. Oh, my goodness. We was in church, man, when this one was going on. And here I was standing at the back of the church, man, right in the middle of service. I said, yeah, praise God. Woo, my kind of people. Praise the Lamb of God. Isn't that what I said? Man, the pastor liked to fill out his clothes up in the pulpit. I ain't kidding you, man. He, he liked to, he liked to have an accident, man. Scared him to death, man, because they didn't never know what I was going to do next anyway. I always kind of thought they thought I was a little crazy anyhow. They all kind of walked a little crazy around me anyway. Like, you know, yeah, I don't know, yeah, I, kinda, I don't know about that guy, you know. Yeah! Woo! <laughs> that is my kind of people. I'd much rather have people, man, that's willing to put their face in the floor and somebody got their nose so high up in there if it rained, it'd drown them. Well, I myself never have, and you never will either, till you change that attitude. Went to a church one time, my beautiful wife. Let me tell you somebody, there ain't nobody on this earth any better than that woman right there. I guarantee you, buddy. I guarantee you'd have to climb a ladder to, to kiss the bottom of her shoes, most people. And here she in a church, we, 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 uh, before we got uh, uh, started back here, we was in a little church. Wasn't a little old church. And the pastor's wife never did even say hello to her, not one time. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, never did say hello to her. And that woman... On the best day of her life, it didn't even equivalent to her, the sole of her shoe. Worthless scumbags to me. Boy, we ain't like that in this church. Oh, you come in this church, man, we're going to wrap you up, buddy. We're going to love you so many ways you bound to like some of it. Amen. You know why? Because we're real people. I know who I am. I know where I came from. I know, I know what, man, I, I tell you, I'm still mesmerized by it. I'm still dumbfounded by how good God's been. How in the world he could use a bum like me. How in the world God could ever take a, a, a no-count loser like me and, and put me in a pulpit with a Bible in my hand. It had to be because nobody else wanted the job. Nobody else would do it. It was one of those deals where he said, whom shall we sin? And I said, Lord, send me. I'll go. Yeah. See, I know where I came from. And it wasn't nothing to myself, that's for sure. It was all him. But there's a way to rightly divide that. You don't just put it all on God. It's okay, God. You're going to do it. I'm going to ride this thing out. Give me a good wave because I'm going to ride it all the way home, Lord. You know, now you know, Lord. You know, it's what they do. They say, well, my goodness now, I gave up a seat one time and on a plane because I, I, I just felt like I needed to do it. And did you know the favor of God just got on me and 
Next thing you know, I was flying on a private jet over there, and, you know, God just opened a favor of God up for me, and it's all there. It's just so much, it, it just makes you, it just, it just chokes you down. It makes you want to throw up hearing all this wicked, filthy nonsense that they come out, this rhetoric that they come out with, how that God provided them a Learjet. Here, let me tell you something, man. Here's an idea. Why don't you stay home where God called you to pastor a church? Why don't you clean house in your church and get all them homosexuals out of your church and tell them to get down to that altar and not say, now I lay me down to sleep with Bill, John, and Jerry. But hey, how about put your face in the altar and say, God, forgive me, a sinner. I repent. I'm a sinner, Lord. Forgive me, Jesus, and turn from your wicked ways and get yourself in line with that Bible, dear God. And get ready to meet Jesus. Instead of piling them up in the middle of the place and saying we want everybody to be welcome. Let me tell you something, buddy. If you come up in here with an agenda that's against the word of God, you are not welcome with that mess in the house of the almighty God. You ain't never been welcome in the temple of the Holy Ghost, and you never will be welcome. You can lay that mess aside. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. It's the truth. Let me tell you something, folks. Homosexuality can be forgiven. It can be forgiven, but it'll never be accepted in the kingdom of God. And you idiots that came up with this Queen Jane version and all that kind of stuff, you're an absolute atrocity. And you want hell. You want death and hell. And you're going to have it. You're going to have it. You're going to see the real hell, and you're going to spend an eternity in it, except you repent and turn from your wicked ways. The Bible tells you it's wickedness. And that ain't just Old Testament, it's New Testament. The Bible said, men doing that with men, that which is unseemly, Receiving in themselves that recompense which was meat. That recompense of their error. He said, even the women, leaving the natural use, burned in their lust one toward another. There's a natural use for a man. There's a natural use for a woman. And homosexuality is absolutely against nature. It always has been, and it always will be. And I don't care whether you like it or whether you don't like it. Hear me tonight. I don't care whether you like it or not. I couldn't care less if you paid me about how you feel. 
about what you want. I don't care what you want. I don't care how you feel. The Word of God tells you what you must do, and you better get busy with it. End of story. Whether the devil likes it or not, there is going to be the church of the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob until the day...